Good morning. It is so wonderful to see you this morning. Thank you so much for coming. We have a great morning plan. It's already been a great weekend. Many of our small groups yesterday were out in the community in two large outreaches. One of them, they were a part of an outreach at the YMCA in Oak Cliff called Santa's Cafe. We had groups out there that were giving away toys. Our MOV went out there. And then here in the community, we had small groups that were a part of something the district had already done, which was called Christmas Cedar Hill making sure that we create a great Christmas for the kids in our community. And we got to be a part of that as well. Give yourselves a hand. You did so well. You didn't even know it, some of you. But your investment in your tithing offerings help make that possible, and we're so excited. If this is your first time, you are a special guest, and we are so grateful. We do have an honorary guest with us this morning. I asked him if it was okay if I introduced him or if he wanted to be incognito, but the superintendent of our school district here in Cedar Hill is here. Dr. Billy Snow is here. Would you let, would you stand? We can clap for you. Dr. Snow, we love you and appreciate you. We honor you. We bless you. We pray for you. And I don't know if you've been around to feel the sense of optimism in our district. I know the teachers are excited. The students, you're seeing things happen in our district that's so exciting. And we're so grateful for that. Grateful that your family came to be a part of our community. And I know Bray is excited to have you as well. I hear all about it and everything. So I have a Bray baby myself. So I love that. But we are so glad to be with you this morning. At the beginning of the year, we plan kind of the sermon series that we're going to do, and the speaking team gets together, and then Adam says, you are going to have to speak a few times this year, and then I proceed to hide for the rest of the year and kind of try to say, well, let me just go do this and go do that, and, and he drags me for Mother's Day and then back. I love getting to share, but I do get very nervous. I take it very seriously, and so I appreciate your smiles and your nods. You have no idea how far it goes, so everybody smile and nod right now. Good practice. Awesome. You have no idea. If anyone's ever up here, make sure to do smiles and nods because it goes a long way in helping them know that you're listening and not watching the Cowboys game that we still have 30 minutes before it starts. So anyway, we are so glad to see you. You know, I think it was February of 2007 and, um, and when life began to have a crazy turn. You know, we were in a fun season of our world. We had started a missions organization. Adam was the director at Christ for the Nations. Exciting things were happening there. We were a part of an organization. It was a bunch of our friends got together, and we started scheduling trips and traveling and ministering all across the world. We created the world headquarters of Global Youth Net in our game room complete with the big world map that really made us feel that we had a significance. We were having a blast. We gave each other nicknames and t-shirts to match those nicknames, and we were having so much fun. We were like hipster missionaries, not a care in the world. We'd unlock our front door every morning, and people would meander in with their cups of coffee, and life was great. I had two incredible children, ages 10 and 6, and a nanny that came that helped me take care of everything. I was getting to travel with Adam. We would be in San Francisco one weekend doing a marriage conference, looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. The next weekend, we'd be in New York City doing a youth conference, walking in Central Park. Life was incredible. Everywhere we'd go, you'd get picked up. You were the guest speaker. Went to a nice hotel. There's a big basket of goodies. You got to eat in nice places and see things 
Life was incredible. This was the life, and it was so exciting. One Tuesday night, we were headed to Christ for the Nations. Adam had gotten there ahead of me. I was headed north on Highway 67, two kids in the back seat, right about Pleasant Run near Target, rainy evening, and all of a sudden, I started to feel kind of icky. You know that feeling? It's, it's kind of like the flu, and, and this overwhelming sense of, oh, like came over. Well, I felt that feeling a couple times now, and I knew what it was, and I thought, there is no way. Didn't say a word, looked straight ahead, made a beeline to the CFNI, dropped the kids off in the kids' ministry, texted Adam and said, I'm not feeling well, I'm headed home. Headed straight to CVS and bought not one pregnancy test, but the whole six-pack, right? Straight to my house where I proceeded to take all six, drinking water, taking tests, drinking water, taking tests. Surely my life was not about to change this drastically, but almost 12 years ago, little Miss Addie McCain began her journey. And although we are thrilled and she is loads of fun, I have to tell you that I was quite shocked. Shock is not the word. Probably anyone that walked in my house for the next two days watched me cry for two or three days straight because surely this was not happening to me. If you've ever played Monopoly and you draw the card that says go to jail, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200, that's what it felt like. Where was my Golden Gate Bridge trips anymore? Was I ever going to travel internationally again? All this began to overwhelm me. And although you may think I'm being slightly dramatic, that's how it felt in that moment. My whole season changed. We didn't have sippy cups and bouncy bouncers and all those things in the house anymore. That, was, that had been long gone. And all of a sudden, we were looking at a new season. You know, I'll tell you one thing about life that I can promise you if I can promise you only something Seasons come and seasons go, and life changes, doesn't it? And we can face those head on. We can enjoy them. We can resist them. We can kick against them. We can hate them. We can love them. But the bottom line is, is we will find ourselves in different seasons of life. And so what I want to share with you this morning is a little bit about those seasons as we look about the people in the Bible that went through their own seasons and maybe how we can make the most of the seasons the Lord has for us. Amen? You know, I think Ecclesiastes says this in chapter 3, verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. The cowboy season may be over or not. We won't know until later, right? But there is a season to everything under heaven. Some of life's seasons have been a blast. I brought some artifacts from the past, maybe, from my seasons or your seasons. Does anybody remember streetball? Remember those seasons of just hanging out outside? I don't know about you, but my mom was like, get out of the house. I don't want to see you anymore right now. Go. And we played, and we made forts, and we played hide and seek, and we did everything until the streetlights came on. And the only dilemma I had in my world was, do I come inside for Wonderful World of Disney or do I stay out for one more game and one more time of fun? It was a great time, but guess what? Not my season anymore, is it? How many of you remember this season? How many of you just came out of this season? Woo! The final exams this last week, books, exams. 
work, the, the deadlines, the, the intensity of getting those papers turned in. Remember that? Remember the relief of a spring break? Remember the relief of a Christmas break, a really long one? How fun it was, but for some of us, it's not that season. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not that season anymore. Work still keeps going, doesn't it? We don't get Christmas break like work. How many of you loved football season? Oh my goodness, how many of you men played and the minute you hear that crack of that plastic together, something in you says, yes, let's get in the game. Every time you hear somebody say, blue 48, blue 48, you find the need to hit somebody and you don't know why. You're like, I can do it, coach. Give it to me. Give me the ball, coach. I got it. I can run this. Remember that season? Yeah, it's sometimes even on the couch, you're like, it's still my season. I can do this. But turn to somebody and say, it's not your season anymore. All right, ladies, anybody remember this season? Remember that season? Your husband wishes it was still that season. But remember being 16? Oh, my gosh. Pool party? I'm there. I am there. Sign me up. It, what a great season when all you had to do was go to the store and grab something and it fit. Imagine that. But turn to your friend and say, it's not that season anymore. And part of the reason it's not that season is because of these. Because these came along and it killed that season, didn't it? I tell you what, I loved this season. Thomas the Train, Hot Wheels, Tonka Trucks. I think I got more excited about building the Lego sets that they got for Christmas than they did. We would go on an, uh, like a mission to buy every Lego set that existed. Then we'd put them all together and then we were like, now what? You put them on the shelf, you're like, you can't play with it. Are you going to break it? Just leave, it, leave the star stormtrooper thing right like it is. So. But what a fun season this was. Just loving life and having fun, raising kids. But many of you know it's not that season anymore. For a lot of us, we're now in this season here. Anybody in this season? The other day, I thought my phone was blurry. I said, my iPhone camera is not working. Everything's blurry on the phone. I kept hitting the little focus button, trying to get it to focus, and it wouldn't focus. I took the picture and realized later, yeah, the camera's not the thing with the problem. This is the problem right here, because some of you know this is our season we're in right now, isn't it? But we go through so many seasons of life, and like it or not, those seasons change. And we see this, you know, today we're going to talk about the life of David, because we watch King David go through many seasons of his life, and we get the opportunity to look at it after the fact. David didn't get to look up and go, oh, look at me, I'm in the wilderness season of my life. But we get to look at the life of David and see that David... David's life spans over the books of Kings, 1st and 2nd Samuels, and even Chronicles. And the Lord calls David a man after God's own heart. He was, to this day, the greatest king that Israel ever had. And he did so much that the rest of history tells the difference that David made in the kingdom of Israel. And yet, he went through times that none of us would envy and that none of us would want to have. But maybe many of us have actually been in those seasons before. You know, David wasn't born into privilege. Do we have any homeschool families in the room? You know the kid that you accidentally leave? Yeah, that was David. The eighth kid, you know, the one that doesn't make it into the van, and you're like, wait, count. Oh, we missed somebody. That was David. When it was time, when Samuel the priest comes, nobody even thinks about him. Like, do we have another one? Oh, I guess we do have one more kid, right? 
That's David. And yet, in the midst of his obscurity, God saw him and God's hand was on his life. We see David go through what I would categorize as four major seasons. The first season that David went through was his training season. David was a shepherd. He had the job that nobody else wanted. He was the original dirtiest jobs. He was sent out into the wilderness to watch the sheep because everybody else had more important jobs. So for sometimes weeks at a time, David would be out there alone caring for sheep. I'm sure that he had like the beard of all beards to be envied because nobody cared. He could be, he could just be wild and free and everything that he wanted to be. It was in those times that he had nights under the stars where he wrote songs. He talked to sheep because they're the only ones there to talk to him. But he became the man that God had called him to be. It was in those times that he developed muscles. He developed the ability to survive. He learned how to kill a lion and a bear. That's pretty strong to be able to kill a lion and a bear. And all those times were developed in an obscure season of his life where nobody really even cared about him. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a season when you're like, hey, uh, they might even care that I exist. If I showed up or didn't show up, would people even notice? You know, what am I doing? I have all these dreams in my heart. I have all these ideas. I have all these things that I know God has put in my life. And yet I feel like I have no place to use them, no place to, to, to really see my gift come about, really, really see things change with my gift. And you wonder, Lord, ever? Am I ever going to do anything different than this? Even when the promise came of Saul anointing David as king, afterwards it just kind of sent him back out in the field. Bye, head back out. Not a very exciting life. But in that moment, David was becoming who he needed to be. Anybody remember Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. Paint the fence, sand the floor, right? And finally he's had it. And he says, Mr. Miyagi, this is ridiculous. I don't understand why you have me doing all your grunt work. And Mr. Miyagi and his wisdom shows him that everything he's been learning, all the muscle memory he's been building was for a time and a place. Unbeknownst to David, he was developing a reputation that was known around the kingdom. 1 Samuel 16, 18 says it like this. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. He didn't learn that in music school. He learned that playing under the stars to a bunch of sheep. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse saying, send me your son, David the shepherd. David was simply a shepherd, but his whole life was going to begin to change. And he didn't understand that the season he had been in was preparing him for the next season of his life. The next season we see David going into is a refining season. So imagine this, you've been out in the fields. Who cares? No one cares what you wear. No one cares what you look like. There's no etiquette out as a shepherd. It's anything you want to do. And now, because Saul needed a musician, he calls David into the palace, and he begins, David now begins to live and work in the palace. All of a sudden, there's rules. There's etiquette. There's uniforms. Life is changing from him because David was moving into a refining season. The Lord knew that he had a big plan for David, and he had to refine the gifts that God had in him. Well, refining sounds all fine and dandy, but if you've seen anything refined, it's not a fun process. 
Refining involves pressure, it involves friction, and it involves things that are not very fun. So when we find ourselves in that refining season, it's not necessarily an enjoyable one. It definitely wasn't for David. They would call on him and say, hey, the king is ready to kill somebody. Would you come in here and play some music? You might make it out alive or not. And, and he, that was his job, to play music for an angry king. Imagine that. I don't think I would want to sign up for that job. But he moved into a training season. And everything that David did, the Lord shined favor on that. So Saul began to put him in charge of army of parts of his army and that began to grow and grow. Everything that David did, the Lord shined on it with favor. But what's interesting is enough is you would think that Saul would say, I am so glad I hired this guy. I am so glad I brought him into my palace. He's helping make me successful. Quite the opposite. David found himself working for an insecure leader. He found himself working for someone that was threatened by his success. And maybe you've been in that situation where you're just doing your best. Hey, I'm just trying to get a good performance review here. I'm just trying to get 50 more cent raise when it's time for the raises to be passed around. And all of a sudden you find yourself misunderstood and someone is actually uh, resenting and, and the, your successes and the favor that's on your life. It's a tough situation to be in. And yet we watch David for the next few years as Saul continues to be more and more angry about him, continues to even hunt him down and send the whole army of Israel to kill him. That David keeps his heart right. And David says, I will not speak evil of my leader, even though he is literally trying to kill me and misunderstands me and my heart. And so David must leave the palace and go back out to the same wilderness that he spent years in as a shepherd. Well, now he's got the advantage. He knows now every nook, every cranny. He knows how to survive in the Israeli wilderness. This is not green pastures like you would think of. This is a rugged, tough wilderness where food and water are hard to find. But now David's not leading sheep. He's leading men. Hundreds of men begin to come to him. Now the weight of responsibility is even greater on his life. But that muscle memory that was built alone in a place where he didn't think anybody cared, where the Lord put him, now begins to show itself in his leadership abilities and in the skills that he had. So many times we're in a season and we don't think we're learning anything. This can really, can algebra bring any benefit to my life? All the seasons that we're in, how, why is this, why do I have to do this? Because the Lord is creating muscle memory in your character and muscle memory in your abilities because he has need of that in a later date. Amen? He has something to, that he has prepared for you, and it's big and it's great. And David finds himself now leading armies as they're fleeing from Saul, literally running around a mountain together for years. And, every, and, and this is a season that doesn't go away quickly. I know for us, there were times in my life that I thought, if only I could just be in charge, right? If only, because surely if I was in charge, then everything would work out. All my problems would go away. I want to be the person in charge, because it's no fun to work for somebody else. How many of you have said, I'm just going to start my own business. I don't want to work for anybody else anymore, because God's had you in that refining season many times. And, but he's got a purpose in that season and that he's making you everything he's called you to be. In that season, we read in Psalms 27 that David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? 
The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? Though a mighty army surrounds me, literally surrounds him, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. And the Lord was building, not only building David, but he was building David's team. He was building the, the army leaders that would lead the nation of Israel in the next season. You never know what God is building in your life and those around you in those tough, refining seasons. But finally, the day comes and Saul passes away. Saul's killed in battle and they anoint David as king. And David moves into what I would call the reigning season. Well, you'd think at that point that everything is perfect and wonderful. And David does things that we see no one else do. David, in that moment, unites the nations of Israel and Judah. David goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant, and he brings it into Jerusalem. He establishes Jerusalem as the holy city that would remain. And he begins to build the foundations for the temple, the temple mount that you hear of. He begins to set up night and day prayer. He begins to establish the um, the, the temple rules and laws and see those things happen as part of the life of Israel. And he continues to see the presence of God in this moment. David continues to be the worshiping and warrior king. And then David hits challenges because here's the Here's the sly thing about the ruling season is it's in the ruling season that you think everything's great. Now you're the person they want to take out to dinner. You're the one that gets the gift basket finally. You're the one who gets to make those final decisions and sign on the dotted line. But if we're not careful, that season can have creep into it um, challenges that are so unexpected. Because if we do not keep a perspective of that season, then we can be caught off guard. Because the thing to remember about a ruling season is the ruling season is not about the ruler. It's about the people that are needed that he's ruling and he and she are ruling in that moment. Because if the Lord, you can clap, it's okay. (laughs) People are like, we don't know when to clap. Um, The camera guys fussed at me and said I don't take a breath. I'm sorry. I'll breathe better. So in a ruling season, the Lord has placed you strategically there for a divine purpose because there's decisions to be made. There's choices. There's direction that you can lead your family and your organization that need to be, that will set a trajectory for the rest of the future. And so, yes, it's a great season to finally get to be the person in charge. But the why is what you have to ask yourself. Why has the Lord placed me here in this organization And who am I intending to lead in this moment? You know, David went through his challenges. And I I have to tell you, as I was studying these commentaries, I got really frustrated because it seemed to divide the life of David straight down the middle. The first half of David's life, oh, where he loved God and he was a psalmist and he killed Goliath and he kept his heart right and he was a man after God's own heart. Oh, and then the second half of David's life where there was Bathsheba, he was a passive father, all the negativity that surrounds the second half of David's life. But I have to tell you, do not ever let someone simplify your life into before and after you have a challenge or a failure. Amen? Do not think for a minute because you walk through something, because you have a moral failure, because you have challenges you walk through, that the second half of the story is now the other half of their lives. Because the enemy would love for you to get stuck right there. And he would love for people to tell your story. Oh, they were amazing until. 
that happened. No, you're amazing. You're amazing because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So do not, do not, amen, do not let the world define you by a challenge you walk through, a failure you go through, or anything like that. Because the Lord knows that's just a season, and he has new and greater seasons ahead for your life. Because we see that David, as the worshiping warrior king, accomplished incredible things throughout his whole life. And as David gets to the end of his life, we see him enter his final season, which is his empowering season. David dreamed and knew that God was going to build a temple there in Jerusalem, but it was not for him to build. David set his son Solomon up for success to be the great ruler that built that temple. And we see in the, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. We see in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, that it says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands. David gave Solomon the wisdom and the discipleship that he needed. But even beyond that, he contributed his strength by setting David up for, setting Solomon up for success. He actually went and routed his enemies to ensure that Solomon would be king. You know, it's so important as we enter an empowering season of our lives that we offer wisdom and insight to others that are entering a new season in their lives. But not just wisdom and insight. We need to give our strength. We need to give them our strength, our influence. What are you doing to help someone else succeed? How are you taking the tools and the skills and all the life lessons you have, and how are you setting them up for success? Have you taken someone and introduced them to somebody and said, you need to know this person. They're absolutely incredible. As we enter those empowering seasons of our life, there's nothing we can do greater than to set someone else up to go further than we've ever gone. And that's what we can do. They can be those arrows that go far. They can stand on our shoulders and continue to go further. Not only do we see David setting Solomon up, he set the temple up. As I say, he established night and day prayer, and he established um, the, the processes that would continue long after his death, the ones we see today even. And so it's so important. That's what I love here about Church on the Hill is that leaders are believing in other people and empowering people to be all that they can be. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, I said, you're such a great leader. And they said, we don't see it. I mean, we don't, you know, okay, we lead a small group, but what do you mean? I don't get it. And, um, and I said, and I began to list people I knew whose lives had been different this year, whose lives had been changed, whose marriages were stronger, who, who knew more what God had for them. I said, that's what makes you a great leader because we can point to all these people that have grown in the Lord and that are stronger. And that's the greatest thing about an empowering season. And, and it's not something that you graduate from one thing to another to another. Because how many of you know, just when you're in a ruling season, the Lord will pull you back and say, time for a training season. I want to work on some stuff. I need to put more tools in your life that'll set you up for what I have in your future. So that I just think just about the time we think everything's okay, we've got it all figured out, the Lord says, oh, I'm so glad you think you have it all figured out. Let me move some things around. Because like Ecclesiastes said, to everything there is a season. There's four truths I want to share with you about seasons. And that's the first one. To everything there is a season. When God is building patience in your life, it takes a season. 
When he's making you the leader he wants you to be, it takes a season. When you have an assignment to give your life, it takes a season. And a, but that season comes and it goes, and God moves us into other seasons. Where you are right now, you don't know what the next season of your life might be. But in those moments that we can embrace that. The second thing is one season is not greater than the other. We're so quick to say, oh, wow, I want to be in that season because that season looks like it has all the benefits and all the perks. And this season is terrible. I don't like my season. You know, we were talking with Mimi the other day, and she said, so many times I remember saying, if only I could get here. If only I could get here. Well, I can't wait till this happens. I can't wait till this happens. And we many times miss out on exactly what has, God has for us right here. I think when we think about motherhood, especially with young kiddos, we can quickly say, when is this season going to be over? I can tell you the nights I sent thinking, what am I doing with my world? What's going on? I can't even get matching sweatpants and sweatshirts on right now and go buy milk at the grocery store, much less try to pull anything together. So much for degrees and ACT scores and all those things. What have I done? And yet, if we can help young moms understand how important those seasons are. In the first three years of life, a child's brain triples in size. And it's a proven fact that just simply talking and reading to children in those first three years sets them up for a stronger future, both in their education and socioeconomically. Just reading to kids strengthens who they are. So y'all are all welcome to volunteer for kids ministry when we're done. We have a sign-up sheet outside. Yeah. Thank you, kids ministry. You can thank me later. Those special moments that may seem insignificant to other people are seasons that are so vital in your life and in the lives of those around you. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul started out as a very significant Pharisee. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee. He, was, he sat under the premier rabbi of the time. He would have been considered a, very, a person of high status. And then the Lord totally changed his world, and he became this adventurous evangelist traveling all over the known world, getting shipwrecked, getting to start churches, speaking in front of important officials. What an exciting season. And then Paul finds himself in a season as a forgotten prisoner. He has to write letters to people so they even remember who he is. No one's coming, you know, we don't hear that they're all visiting by the droves. He's writing letters to the churches that he established. And yet when we hold this word, we know that that season in prison was a significant season in his life because it produced the word that we draw from today. He wouldn't have necessarily said, I am so excited I'm in prison now. I'm so glad I'm not a Pharisee anymore. I'm so glad I'm not traveling the known world. I love prison with rats chewing on my toes. Not at all. And yet, because he said, Lord, who am I in this season? There was a significance to each and every season. Amen? The third thing is every season serves a purpose in your life. When David was killing lions and bears, he was not doing that because he said, one day I'm going to meet a nine-foot giant, and all by myself I'm going to hit him in the head with a rock, and he's going to die, and I'm going to get to marry the king's daughter. That is not why he killed the lion. He killed the lion because the lion was trying to kill him. And so it was eat or be eaten. And yet that season served a purpose in his life that we see later in his life. You know, it's funny. Um, I was a sophomore in high school, and we were, it was time to choose classes, and we had to have two years of language class. And I grew up in southern Louisiana. And in southern Louisiana, you took French. 
French is what you took. That's what everybody, you, you spoke English or you spoke French. And of course, somebody though, to be unknown, named procrastinated and didn't sign up for class fast enough. So all that was left was Spanish. Spanish? Who speaks Spanish? Everyone speaks French. We all know that, right? So I reluctantly signed up for, for Spanish class absolutely fell in love with the teacher and took the next three years of high school, took Spanish and continued to take it in college. And in that moment, had no idea what the Lord was doing in my heart and in my life, had no idea that as a 19-year-old youth pastor's wife, that my 22-year-old husband and I would take two van loads of kids down to Mexico with no cell phone service, no maps, no nothing, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, having no clue where we were, all relying on my broken Spanish to figure out where we were. And I don't know how well I did, but at least we lived and made it through that alive. Didn't know that the Lord would send me to Texas and allow me to get to be part of an incredible congregation and an incredible community. And sometimes I actually actually do try to use my Spanish, but the artificial sweetener has won over, and, uh, and it's just not all there anymore. I don't know what the problem is. So, but every season, everything the Lord invests in your life is for a purpose. And the final thing is you have a choice. You can resist this season. You can be angry about it. You can kick against it. You can say it's not fair because everybody else around me is doing something different than I'm doing. You can say it's not fair because this is not where I thought I'd be at this stage in my life. You can say that you can resent it or you can embrace it. And you can say, Lord, I don't understand why and it doesn't all make sense, but I know you have a purpose in this season. What are you doing in me and what are you doing through me right here, right now? Lord, let me maximize this season, especially the tough ones, because maybe that'll help me get through it a little bit faster. But what are you doing in my life? That day when I found out I was pregnant in 2007 and I literally thought my whole world was shifting What am I going to do? I knew I had a choice. I could say it's not fair. Adam's going to keep traveling all over the world and be the big speaker that everybody wants to talk to, and I'll just stay home. Or I can shift and say, where does purpose dwell right in my front yard, and my backyard? How can I live purpose each and every day of my life? So I grabbed the two kids, put the other third one on my hip, and we headed into our city, and I just said, what do you need? How can I help? How can I serve? And they're like, uh, you can pass out parade route flyers? Done. Let's do it. And we took that ragtag group of missions kids, and we said, how can we serve and do missions and love our community right here where we are? What does this community need? How we're here to help? And we just begin to love and serve and commit. And that is why I felt such a strong commitment to serve our community, our family does, our kids do, and now we get to be a part of your lives each and every day. So I'm so thrilled for my surprise 12 years ago that shifted the trajectory of my life, and I just want you to know that whatever comes your way, even when it's unexpected, it is God's hand is through, is a thread through the whole thing, and I want you to know that he gives you the grace to make it through the season. He's going to give you peace in this season, and he's going to give you a sense of divine purpose that even when the things don't make sense, that you will know I'm here for a purpose and a reason. And when we ask that prayer, Lord, just show me. Dare I ask, show me why you have me here. Show me who I can love today. You will be fascinated to see 
what he, what he unfolds before your eyes. You know, at the women's event, we had a word come forth that in 2019, we were going to see an HD, that life was going to become clearer than ever before. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us, that you would find such a satisfaction in knowing that even though it's tough, I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Would you guys, would you stand with me now and allow me to pray for you? Thank you so much for allowing me to minister this morning. I just want to say a prayer over you. You can close your eyes, lift your hand, lift both hands, do whatever you want. Father, I thank you so much for each and every amazing individual who took the time to come and worship this morning at Church on the Hill. Father, I pray that you would impart to them a sense of destiny, Father, a sense of divine purpose that they're exactly where they need to be. And Lord, although everything may not be as amazing it was in the past, or Lord, even if we look forward to things that seem very uncertain and there's questions that are unanswered, I pray, Father, that a sense of purpose would rest on them like never before. Father, if they're in a training season, I pray, Father, that they would give it everything it has, Father, that they would learn everything you have for them in this season. And Father, you're building character, you're building muscle memory and the skills that you're investing into their lives. Father, if they're in that refining season, Lord, if they're in that place where they feel misunderstood or sandwiched or held back, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would keep their hearts right, Father. Let them set their hearts knowing that they serve you. Lord, they answer to you at the end of each and every day, Father, and that you are their defender, you are their protector, and you are their promoter, Father. Lord, if they're in that reigning season, I pray for peace. I pray you'd give them wisdom. Father, I pray they'd be supernaturally protected from the stress and the anxiety and the pressures that come from leadership. Father, I thank you that they would wake up each morning with a divine sense of purpose of the trajectory they're taking, the organization they lead, and the families that they lead. And Father, if they're in an empowering season, Lord, I pray for an intense sense of satisfaction as they know that, Lord, they have worked their lives to be able to invest in others. Father, we give you praise and glory, and we thank you, Father, for each and every season. In your name we pray. Keep your heads bowed across the room. Maybe you're in this room and you say, man, I, I know these seasons that Miss Jamie was talking about, and I know that you've, you've talked about like God being in my life, God caring about me. And man, I, I don't know if I've been committed to Jesus like he's been committed to me. And so if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Sean, I, I don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe, you know, I, I got to one of those difficult seasons. I, I, I came to a point and I gave up on God because I thought he had given up on me. But I'm here this morning because I know he's not given up on me. This morning, what my heart would be for you is if you've never been in a relationship with Jesus, or you say, God, I've come back, I'd like to pray with you. God's not up in heaven saying, hey, you know what, I want you to get your act together. Uh, about time that you finally got your stuff in. Rather, just like the prodigal son, the father standing on the horizon saying, welcome back, good and faithful servant. Jesus stands in heaven with open wide arms saying, come back to me. This morning, if you're in this room and you say, I need to start a relationship with Jesus, or this is my season to come back home, I'd ask you, raise your hand.
Be bold in this moment and say, Jesus, I want to be able to start a relationship with you. Or God, I want to come back to that relationship with you. And so if you're in this room and say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship back with you and come back home, I'd ask you to raise your hand right now. If you're in this room and you say, man, I want Pastor Sean pray with me. I see that hand. I see that hand as well. So anybody else in this room say, hey, I want to be able to come back home. I see that hand in the back. Thank you so much. Anybody else say, hey, Pastor Sean, pray for me right now this morning. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on. Hands across the room. We thank you, God. You can put those hands down. Now, I'm going to pray with you. And what I'm going to ask you in this moment is to be bold and pray with all of your heart. I'm not going to ask you to come up front and embarrass yourself. But rather, this is a moment in between you and me and Jesus. And I'm going to ask the room to pray with you and to be able to start this process of being the body together. So if you're in this room and this is your first time praying, we're going to pray together. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody across the room. Jesus, I love you. This is my season. And I'm coming back to you. Holy Spirit, I want you to fill my life. And Jesus, I want you to write my name in your book of life. Fill me with that Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sins. And I will serve you all the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Keep your heads bowed. God, I thank you for those people that made a decision this morning, God. God, I thank you as we embrace the season you've given us, God. We won't grow weary in doing good, but rather, God, we will stay faithful as you've been faithful to us, God. We thank you that you've given us this word this morning, God, and this holiday season for us to be able to be bold and go forward and say, we're going to end this year faithful to Jesus and start next year running after you, God. We thank you for the season that you've given us. And God, we continue to honor you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.